Welcome to the Night Shift. This is episode 38, Mike Stubbs and Kyle Grimard. Find Kyle on socials, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs980. Leave us a review where you're listening, and you can find this, well, any old where that you just found it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and globalnews.ca. We're focusing in on old nights in new places Few nights changing addresses, both in the NHL and in other spots too. Battle for top spot all over again. How many more of these are we going to get? We have three games between the London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires before the end of the regular season. Could all of them be battles for top spot? Maybe. And here come the Sarnia Sting again. The London Knights will continue their eight straight on the road with games three and four of that eight and they will be playing the Sarnia sting for the fourth time in 15 days, this time back in Sarnia. And we'll preview that too. Plus a prospect update. The GOJHL playoffs are underway and London and St. Thomas are meeting up in round number one. That brings together three London Knights prospects head to head. So we've got all of that coming up plus a prediction or a goal. I guess we, it's more of a goal from Luke Evangelista, a box that he checked this week kyle we have the nhl trade deadline coming up we're recording this on thursday morning march the 2nd so there may still be moves involving former london knights we had outlined chris tierney going from florida to montreal on waivers but we've seen some other movement now scott harrington was involved in the timo meyer deal so he went from san jose to new jersey new jersey then waived him And he went back to Anaheim. The hope is, and I'm pretty sure that this was all paper transaction. I don't think Scott Harrington spent the week on a plane. I hope not. No, I I don't think so either. I think that players ahead of time, especially in the NHL, are updated as to how things are going to play out and why they're included in certain deals, whether it's to you have to send a contract out in order to make the money work. And then you've talked to a certain team that's then going to claim you off of waivers afterwards. So there's definitely a process in that. And no, I, I would hope that he didn't spend it on a plane flight, a flight to Jersey. And then a flight to Anaheim after going from San Jose. So hopefully that all all worked out for him, but good to be able to land in, in Anaheim potential for him to get some playing time down there. But you know, Mike, the big name, the big one that has been rumored for months and months and months is officially official. Patrick Kane is a member of the New York Rangers. He is. And he had narrowed this down. He had some options and one was simply to take the rest of this year and just sit and contemplate his future. And he wanted to keep playing. He was hoping to get to the New York Rangers. That's the power that players like Patrick Kane can have. And he was not sitting on any kind of commercial flight anywhere. This guy was on a private jet from a private takeoff in O'Hare to a private landing in either JFK or LaGuardia. He would have been brought in in a stretch limousine. Patrick Kane is a member of the New York Rangers, and I'm sure the Kane jersey sales are underway 
What do you think, Kyle, Patrick Kane adds to the New York Rangers? Because when you look at their power play already, I don't know who they're going to bump. And we'll find this out pretty quick. He's scheduled to play his first game for the Rangers on Thursday night, March the 2nd, against the Ottawa Senators. But when you've got Chris Kreider stationed in front, you've got Artemi Panarin, you've got Mika Zibanejad, you've got Adam Fox, and you've got kind of a, a mix of other players that you can add in there Patrick Kane adds to a loaded loaded power play attack well and, and I'll tell you right now I'm just on daily faceoff, and the way they have the lineup set their first line is Zibanejad with Kreider and Tarasenko that's been there since Tarasenko got there and then it's Vincent Trocek with Artemi Panarin and Patrick Kane and that sounds familiar because they were line mates together in Chicago now as for the power play units you're right, Mike. You don't take anybody off that first power play unit. They look like the Harlem Globetrotters out there. They scored again yesterday. Kreider, Zabinijad, Tarasenko with Fox and Panarin on the point. And then the second unit has Trocek, Hedl, and Alexei Lafreniere with Keandre Miller on the point and Patrick Kane. Don't take penalties against the New York Rangers. No. Everybody's writing that on the whiteboard right now <laughs> in something that won't wipe off. Do not take penalties against the New York Rangers. Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin, when they were together last with the Chicago Blackhawks, in that period of time they played together, nobody scored more points than Patrick Kane. Now, the thing is, you know, they're not exactly in the old-timers league just yet, but let's face it, neither one of them are at their Blackhawks peak. The question is going to be the Rangers defensively, so we'll see how that works out. But electric plays on the power play and electricity in New York, it's there. Patrick Kane brings it, and it just adds to Kyle a loaded Eastern Conference that Leaf fans keep looking at, especially after their loss to Edmonton, saying, I hope this goes okay. Well, I mean, I don't know if you just saw it too, but the Boston Bruins just made a trade. They acquired Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings. So the East get become even more of a beast and Bertuzzi stays in the conference. He goes to Boston and they are on a run where they are potentially the greatest regular season team of all time. I think they've lost nine times all year or something stupid like that. But Bertuzzi there, I don't think Toronto's done. Maybe there's other teams in the East that aren't done either. Maybe Carolina makes another ad. Maybe, you know, maybe the Islanders go for, for another player, but nevertheless, it's been crazy. And with all of this movement, Mike, it is slowly starting to allow players and individuals from the junior ranks and the minor leagues to start to come up and have an opportunity. And that includes Luke Evangelista from the Milwaukee Admirals to the Nashville Predators. Luke Evangelista made his Predators debut. And you know what? He looked good. 14 <laughs> minutes, two shots. He had a big hit on Evgeny Malkin. He was out late in the game when they were down a goal. There's a lot of faith in a guy who's making his first ever NHL appearance. Wow. He was out there in some key situations. And Nashville's only goal of the game was scored by Mark Jankowski. It was scored because Evangelista went in hard on the forecheck and the puck was turned over to Jankowski. And Jankowski is heading toward the net. He and Evangelista are basically alone at the net on Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Evangelista is there, ready, ready, ready. And Chris Letang comes into the picture close enough that Jankowski says, nah, that's too risky. I'm going to take this myself. He finishes it. And Evangelista was 
that close to his first NHL goal in his first NHL game. But I think we need to learn something from Luke Evangelista, Kyle. And it is the, the reward that patience can bring. Luke Evangelista is a handbook for every player who comes into the Ontario Hockey League. Here, would you like to see how to handle yourself? Here's this handbook. It's called Luke Evangelista. Watch what he did because he was somebody that every single step of the way accepted everything that was coming. He's a guy that obviously has Brendan Shanahan and his family. So you know that there's a, a little more education that is coming for him when he's walking into certain situations, but comes from a great family. And he was not hurrying anything. It was not, well, I'm 16 and I better be scoring 30 goals. It was, no, I'm going to learn how to play this game. He became so good in his own zone, became so good at, at just little things that would help. Remember him taking pucks on the wing in his own zone and being able to either pass them out of the zone or skate them out of the zone. I don't know if there was anybody who was better at retrieving pucks that were sent up the boards than Luke Evangelista, something that he had worked on so well. And he goes from not scoring a single goal in his rookie season, all the way to leading the OHL in goals. And if we go back to October, Luke Evangelista, again, knowing what was coming, not saying, hey, I just led the OHL in goals. I hope I make the Nashville Predators. No, he had set himself a goal this year. The one goal I have in my mind for sure is uh, play one NHL game. So I, I want to make my debut this year. The goal to play one single game in the NHL. Realistic realistic for a guy like that and he went to milwaukee kyle he was outstanding in milwaukee made the ahl all-star game but just continued to do what he is asked to do and that's been him all the way along and now he's being rewarded because nashville's moved out a lot of pieces they just moved out another one yep. with mikhail granlin going and so that means that Luke Evangelista's probably got a shot at staying in Nashville for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's got a really good chance. I think they have 24 more games left to go. And, you know, Luke Evangelista had a lot of looks. And just for his time in Milwaukee, for a lot of people thinking, wow, he's a, he's a second-round pick. He's, you know, he's going to be given a shot at some point. He's earned it. 41 points in 49 games from Milwaukee. He has, you know, he hasn't been in the whole a box a whole late as well. But he... uh He's just, he's been a guy that constantly has gone out, has earned it. He is probably Mike, you know, at least in my short tenure, being a part of the Knights organization and doing the games and whatnot. He's the player that sticks out to me as being, you know, I root for a lot of the guys and, and for most of them, but Luke was just, he was a very special, special player, special guy was always very outgoing, very talkative, always gave you the time of day. And to see that good personality and that good person translate to getting opportunities and chances, I just, I loved seeing it. I'm very happy and proud of him. And hopefully he gets an extended look with the end of the season coming up. Yeah, you know what? He's somebody that all hockey players tend to be grounded. They're all great guys. But every once in a while, you just say, wow, 
that guy just hits a whole new level yeah. and he does that. And so we wish him nothing but the best in the national hockey league. And hopefully this allows him to stick even beyond this year and into next year. But you know what, if if Nashville says, Oh, you know, you're still, you're still only 21. We want you to head back down. Luke would say, no problem. I'll be back. And that's what he would do. A couple of other notes that have London connections. Isaac Ratcliffe is now a member of the Nashville Predators. He's from London, played with the Junior Knights, played with the Guelph Storm, won an OHL championship with them. He has been traded from Philadelphia to Nashville. And Michael Hauser, people took notice of this saying, oh, Michael Hauser's been signed by the Sabres. He'd been with the Sabres, and it's been a weird situation for him the last couple of years because his signing, his contract, always tends to kick in at this time of year because the Sabres had to sign him to a different contract to allow him to play in the NHL when they were low on goalies. So his contract expires right around now. So they had, yes, signed him, and now they have reassigned him to the Rochester Americans. So that's the movement involving the local guys right now. We'll recap the rest of it if there is any more by the time the trade deadline is over. In the meantime, Kyle, we've got another battle for top spot. The London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires. The Knights lead by one point atop the Western Conference. Both teams have 11 games left. And let's face it, both teams are coming off weekends where they're looking to get back into their groove. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because the Knights went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last weekend, which, you know, for some teams going into a three-game and three-day stretch is, you know, pretty good. We got points in two of three, won a game, lost a tough one. But for the London Knights, because they've just been rolling this year, that's not the expectation and the level of the bar that they set. So they're looking to really get back into a nice little groove and similar to Windsor. Windsor has been on a tear all year long and they came out of their little Eastern swing going one and two. Again, a very unfamiliar stretch for the Windsor Spitfires and the way that both teams are playing. They both have at least 10 points on the Sarnia Sting who are third in the conference right now, but they are neck and neck, as you said, one point and Anytime that these two teams played, you can just feel the intensity. The level is, uh, is, is a notch above every time. Now, Shane Wright, here's the big news. Shane Wright did return to the Spitz lineup during the trip. He had missed apparently eight, eight games or so, Mike, with uh, what it seemed to be a lower body injury. A lot of people were asking what was going on. But Shane Wright returning to that lineup, again, adds a whole other element to them. Shane Wright, in every game he's played with the Windsor Spitfires this year, Kyle, has at least one point often more. So he returned against Peterborough. They gave him the Friday off. So they played Thursday in Peterborough. He was given Friday off. And then he went back up against his old team. The Kingston Frontenacs had a goal and two assists and a Windsor win on Sunday. So Shane Wright adds another dimension to the Spitfires. This is a team that they will take advantage of any mistake you make. And I mean, any, and you can outplay them for 58 minutes and 29 seconds and the other minute 31 you can say well they they really only had the puck for a minute 31 yeah but they scored three times in the minute and 31 seconds and that's why they beat you 3-2 that's what the Windsor Spitfires can do the Knights they still come in with a lot of positives even that loss in Owen Sound they mustered up enough to almost come back and when you look at some of the performances that they have had from individuals Sam Dickinson, we talked about this on our last podcast. Sam Dickinson has certainly gotten to a point where he has found a new level in his game. You also have a guy like 
And we talked about this on our last podcast, Ryan Winterton, whose oh. shooting percentage is sitting just above 5% right now when it'll probably get up as high as 10, 15, maybe even a little bit more. He's starting to be so close. He hit a post on Saturday night against Owen Sound. And this is how close the Knights were to coming back. And he is just that that inch away from starting to put those shots inside the post. So big things coming there. And then Easton Cowan. I mean, I he's one of my favorite players to watch for how hard he is on the puck at all times. And then you give him an opportunity in tight. He's going to put the puck in the net. He keeps proving it. Oh, he really has. And, and I, I've loved the progression of his game. And when we came into the season, there were a lot of Knights players that were very, very young and, you know, rookies at the time who were going to be thrust into roles that maybe we don't, we didn't know how they're going to fare. And we have watched the development of these guys over the years, really embrace that role. Easton Cowan's one of them, Denver Barkey, Brody Crane, those three guys in particular, it was so important. You know, you'd think that, you know, you'd hope one, maybe two would come out and, and really step up and find a really good role in a spot. All three of them, I think, have done a really good job. Crane, it's, Crane this season, because they have a matchup against Windsor, Brody Crane is six points in three games against the team they're competing with for top spot in the Western Conference. That is a player coming to play in the big games and big moments. And that's exactly what you want from a player like that. And so off we go. We're going to see what happens against the Windsor Spitfires. And if you look, Brody Crane has done very well against the Spitfires. Six points in three games. Brett Harrison, who's from London, just plays well against the Knights. He's got six points in four games, including a hat trick this year against London. And then, Kyle, these guys again. Friday will be the fourth meeting between London and Sarnia in 15 days. No battle of the 402 on the line this time. It's already been won by the Knights. Yes, it has. Uh, the Knights were able to do that and uh, earlier on and, and take that. But, you know, Sarnia has still been rattling off wins. They fell back and, and beat the Sioux on Wednesday, 4-3 in a shootout. And they continue to stay close and really cement themselves in that in that three spot right now. They're 6-2 and two in their last eight games. And those two losses have both come against London. So London's been the only team that's been able to handle them, which is good for London. It's bad for the rest of the league. Sarnia against the rest of the league, you're right, is is good. The Knights have found ways to beat them, and they've been tight games. And I don't think we can expect anything different this time around. The Sting are a dangerous, dangerous team. We talk about the New York Rangers power play. That's really the New York Rangers power play of the OHL, the guys that they can put out there. Kyle, before we close out, let's do a little prospect update because game one of the GOGAHL playoff series between the London Nationals and the St. Thomas Stars was played on Wednesday in London. And the Nationals have Sam O'Reilly, who was second in scoring on the team this year, up against Mike Levin and Will Nickel of the St. Thomas Stars. Game one went to the Nationals. Now, remember, the Nationals are the number two seed. The Stars are the number seven seed. But we talked with Noah Smith, who follows the GOJHL very, very closely. And Noah talked a lot about the fact that he expects this series to be really close, just based on the way the teams play each other. And he was bang on. Game number one goes to overtime. 
And it went to overtime because of a couple of Knights prospects. It was 2-1 London in the third, and Will Nichols set up Mike Levin, tied the game, and then off they went to overtime, and Lucas Carson ended up winning it for the Nationals at the 1849 mark of the first overtime period. Oh, playoffs are here. Think about that, Kyle. Not the 122 mark of overtime or the 234 mark. All the way to 1849. Nights can get long. Oh gosh, they can really, they really can. It's really fun seeing these matchups and all of all the different players involved that are a part of the London Knights organization. You mentioned it, Mike Levin, Will Nichols, Sam O'Reilly, Lucas Carson, a part of it too. And you just you see all these names, all these players, and you go, Oh, these guys have won, all played within the Knights system. Two of them have been up with the team and have contributed in big ways. Sam O'Reilly and Will Nickel. I think Will Nickel has got a point in each of the two games he's played so far. Sam O'Reilly, who's a forward, played defense for London in a tight game where he was fantastic. And they get playoff hockey right now. And it's the best time of year because you've got some leagues that are gearing up for the playoffs, like the OHL, the NHL. You've got some leagues like the GOJHL, which are currently in the playoffs and just starting it. And a lot of excitement building and you kind of separate and see which players are going to step up and shine. And so far it's a good start for a lot of London Knights prospects. The Knights' next home game, not till St. Patrick's Day. That's not going to change. They have six straight left on the road as the Briar gets underway at Budweiser Gardens. But Kyle will follow all of them. We'll bring them to you on 980 CFPL. Pre-game show always starts a half hour before puck drop, and we'll bring you up to date on all of the things that are going on. We'll see what's happening injury-wise. Isaiah George should be close to returning. Not sure about Landon Sim. We'll hopefully get an injury update on him because he's dealing with a lower body injury right now and that would be a big loss for the night so hopefully it isn't too too bad yeah always you know he always has an impact in the game whether he's scoring or not and like we mentioned earlier all these games big trips big games coming up make decide where the knights kind of slide in and you know as always it's a test down the stretch with 11 games to go and our next episode comes next week after the weekend we'll update you on everything else going on and you can listen to previous episodes on spotify apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts. we are also on a megaphone and at globalnews.ca at stubs 980 two b's at kyle grimard gri M-A-R-D. Enjoy the weekend and we'll see you next week, Mike.